Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do trust you. And we know how good you are and that you are trustworthy. We thank you that uh, you rescue us, you pursue us, you um, shower us in your grace and love. Um, and we don't deserve that, Lord. We, we know where we've been. We know what we've done. Um, yet you still continue to embrace us. And so, God, we pray that in this time we hear your voice, that we would continue to build our life, plant our roots deep down in your love, and that we would um, grow into you, more and more into your likeness, into the people that you designed us to be and intended us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please have a seat. Oh my goodness, we got a good Sunday today. You guys like Friendsgiving? I, I like Friendsgiving. I think it's a pretty awesome thing. Uh, went to a friend's... Okay, so last, last Sunday, I apologized because it was basically an ad for KFC, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> and so if you don't know what that means, then you have to listen to the sermon from last week. But, and then someone, people were sending me pictures of camels. It was the weirdest Sunday ever. So after I talked about how the most beautiful food at Potluck is KFC, I went home and someone from the church had brought me a bucket of KFC. That was the coolest thing. And then later in the week on Tuesday, the women's group said, hey, since you love potluck so much, why don't you come to our potluck, our yearly potluck for the women's ministry on Tuesday night? And there were like, it was the most awkward experience. I was in a room full of 70 women, which was awesome. I always feel like I'm intruding, like I, like I should just cover my ears or something. Like, but they were so welcoming. It wasn't inside club. They, they had a great time. And then this is the potluck table. It was such a beautiful table. Now, do you see where the KFC is? Do you know where they, someone put the KFC at the end of the table? Now, I want to give you a tip. It's really, really important. When you go to a buffet or you go to a potluck, you always want to scan all the way down to the end of the table before you start filling up your plate. No offense to all the other dishes were on the plate, but I did that. And as a result, I have enough room for my KFC drumstick in the next picture. So um, you, just imagine it. See, there you go. There it is. So that, that is my tip to you. And it's important that we share these things because they're applicable in all areas of life. And as you discover this truth to be amazing in your life, uh, whether it be how to raise children, how to take care of your elderly grandparents, whatever it is, tell me and so, that we, can, so we can enlighten the community. Does that sound okay? So, so Jesus had tips, by the way. He gave tips. He went, to, he went to potlucks too. He loved them. He went, to this, uh, he went to this potluck one day and it was like a potluck for the religious elite. Does not sound like uh, an amazing party to me. Um, but, uh, but it was like a who's who, you know, hoity-toity party. And he went to it. And as he's going into the party, he starts to engage people in conversation. So he starts, he, he's not, he didn't want to just go and be a fly on the wall. He starts to ask them. He says, what do you think about healing on the Sabbath? There was like a guy who was sick as they were going in. He said, do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? That was like a really current topic back then. Is it okay to take care or heal, heal someone on the Sabbath? And then the guys are like, I don't know. I'm not sure. And then Jesus says, like, if you're, if your dog, basically, they said, he said, like, if there was an ox or an animal, but if your dog had, like, a broken, broke its leg on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, you would surely, like, and it was stuck in a trap or something. This is a horrible image. I'm sorry I'm using it. But, um, <laughs> okay, enough, enough. Um, but you would surely help your dog out. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, good point. But they're still not convinced. So Jesus ends up uh, having dinner with them. And as he's sitting at dinner, he gives them a tip. His tip isn't to walk to the end of the table and make sure the KFC is there, although maybe. Um, what his tip was, uh, it was interesting. He said, um, if you're ever at a dinner party, okay, if you're ever invited to a dinner party, never sit at the head of the table. 
Now, do you know those people when you're at a party, they, they, like, they like to share their theories on life and stuff? I think this was Jesus. He's just like, that is such a random thing to say, Jesus. And he says, you know, let me just tell you. So he says, when you're at a dinner party, never sit at the head of the table. And this is his theory, right? His idea. Because Jesus said it, it's not really theory. It's complete truth. But listen to it. So this is it. If you sit at any, if you ever sit at the head of the table, then there's always a chance that you could get demoted. Like someone could say, oh, oh, I'm sorry, that was reserved for the president of the United States, you know, something like that. But if you sit at any other, if you avoid the head of the table at all costs, there's all, the only thing that can happen is, oh, oh no, you should be sitting at the head of the table. Pretty good tip, right? So he's even, and he's like, I'm Jesus, and I don't even sit at the head of the table. <laughs> so, so he says, he gives him this best tip in practice, and then he goes on to give some tips to the host, I, I'm guessing his mom wasn't there. That's not usually what you do. You give tips to the host on how to throw a better dinner party. So this is what he does. He starts telling the host um, how he might have a better dinner party. And he says this. He said to the, also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. Can you, is he pointing his finger around the table? Friends or brothers or rich, rich neighbors. In case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Isn't that awesome? And then in the middle of like Jesus says this out, and there's this guy who blurts out the most random thing at the, at the, at the head of the table. After Jesus says this, he blurts this out. He goes, blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God, which is like, it, it reminds me of that Oprah commercial, remember? She's like, I love bread. Do you know what I mean? That, that commercial, it's just, what is wrong with her? Like, who does that? Thank you. <laughs> like, this guy's like, bread! You know, <laughs> blessed is anyone who eats bread in the ki- kingdom of God. And Jesus is cool because he's like, I'll save you, buddy, don't worry. And so he starts to tell another story. And he says, um, Jesus says, someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. Now, before I go on, this is just maybe a little chip on my shoulder, but I'm just going to say, when I make dinner at my house, before dinner's done, about five minutes, I say, hey, everybody, dinner's going to be ready in about five minutes, okay? And then five minutes passes, and I kind of, we have a little dinner bell, and we ring the dinner bell, and it's like crickets, it's like everybody's just gone off. They've decided they've got like something better to do. And if you're ever, if someone who cooks dinner, you'll know that there's this like moment where the dinner's hot and then like it turns nasty. Do you know what I mean? Like, and you've worked really hard on this and you're like, please come while the dinner's not gross. Anyway, so I get where this is coming from. I do. So it says, but they all alike began to make excuses. Now the first said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I must go out to see it. Please accept my regrets. Now I have a person who bought a piece of land. There's never been a dinner time, I don't think in his life where he's like, oh, I got to go check my land. Like, is it still there? Like what, what kind of excuse is that? That's the worst. Okay. So this is the, other. I think people were probably laughing when he told this joke. So, so come on. Can I hear you guys laugh? Ha, 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 ha. Hey, that was pretty good. We're a studio audience. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so then, and then it says, um, another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to try them out. Please accept my, my regrets. Again, the weirdest excuse. Like, 
what does it mean to try out a yoke of oxen anyway? Okay, good, buddy. And then this is the other one. Another said, I have just been married and therefore I cannot come. Does that seem strange to you? Like newlyweds can't go to dinner parties apparently. Or maybe that person was just like, a, a loser because he's like, I can't. My wife won't let me. You know, <laughs> it's just like, throw your wife under the bus, buddy. Good one. That's a nice way to go. Anyway, just saying. So then, uh, so the slave returned and reported this to his master and the owner of the house become, began to be angry. I mean, he could have at least faked some, made some better excuses because those were really bad. And he said to his slave, go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, we already did that. <laughs> no one's here. He says, sir, what you have ordered has been done and there's still room. We already did it, buddy. The, the place is empty. And then the master said to the slave, go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. Basically, like, like order people to come to this party because this is going to be the party of the century and I'm determined. I've already cooked all these things. This is going to happen. Amen. And then it says, uh, it says, for I tell you, and this is what the master says, for I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. That's, cr- that's just a, a, a strange story. But uh, okay, I have a question. Have you ever, has, show of hands, has anyone ever thrown a party and had less people show up to, for the party than they thought were going to come? Like a lot of people. And, and for some of you, I'll bet it was a heartbreaking experience. I know that, for example, when we ask people to start a small group, now, if you want to start a small group, let us know and we'll hook you up. You're ready to go. But, if you, but when people start a small group, this, you have to be prepared because there will be times when you'll be ready for the small group to come over to your house and you will have prepared a beautiful thing. And instead of 12 people coming, three people will come over. And that's just like part of the experience of being someone who hosts others. Now, this is a story that, um, that I haven't completely uh, like, psychologically adjusted to, so I'm going to share it with you. It's, it's, it's a story from when I was a kid. Now, when I was a kid, we, we didn't have big birthday parties. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like in the old days, kids did not have over-the-top, crazy, huge birthday parties. And back in, the, back in, back in my day when I was a little kid, um, <laughs> they would like plop a cake down in front of you and be like, happy birthday. And everybody was like, yeah, that was the best birthday party in the whole world. And you get a few presents from your family. And it was sweet. And now it's still sweet, but now it's like you have to have rocket ships and bounce houses and race cars and everything else. And I love them. I, I know it's for us, really. Anyway, so, so when I was in like third grade, my parents were like, now, everybody got like their, their, their birthday party. Like, this is the party that you're going to have. And so it was like third grade, fourth grade or something. They, they said, we're going to throw your party. Now it's time for you to have a party. And so I thought, this is fantastic. And uh, there's a problem. My birthday is on July 1st, okay? Do you, do you get where this is going? And uh, it gets worse. That July, we lived in Salt Lake City at the time. That July, it snowed. So there were two people that showed up to my birthday party that had 40 kids that were supposed to like come. And they didn't even give excuses. And so I felt bad, but you know, I got over it. Not really. Um, <laughs> I'm still like, come on, let's have a bigger party, everybody. Anyway, um, so, so, but I think that, you know, as much as I felt like maybe I felt bad about that, I can't imagine how my dad felt about that or my mom now that I'm a dad. 
And how heartbreaking that would be. And I would just, if that, if that happened, I would just go knocking on doors of every neighbor and just be like, get over here. My kid's having a huge birthday party. The people didn't show up. There, there's kids all over the neighborhood. Get to the party. That's what would happen. And I understand where this person is coming, coming from. Now, Jesus, Jesus tells this story. It reminds me of the very beginning of Highlands Church 11 years ago when there were just two people. There was just myself and my brother and three people and his wife. There were three. And there was no one that was a part of Highlands Church. We had a great, the same logo today. So it was just Highlands Church. Come to Highlands Church. And so we knew that we needed to reach out. And so we, we asked, asked ourselves what kind of a church we wanted to be. And so first questions were, where would we have worship? Now, there was an option to have worship on the side of town in a, in a commercial facility. Or there was an option to have worship at the park cinemas downtown in the movie theaters. And we immediately knew that what we needed to do was to be the church that goes and has worship where people are at, to have those parties and have those celebrations. Then it came along and said it was Christmas time. And we said, what's the big thing at Christmas? Oh, there's this thing called Christmas on Vine Street. And there's tens of thousands of people that go to that, to that Vine Street celebration. And we said, oh, well, we have to be a part of that experience. We're going to do a big snow hill. And, and, and this church was built on the premise that, yes, there are thousands of people that go to church in the Central Coast, in this area, within 10 minutes of a drive of this church. But we also knew while there are thousands of people that go to church, there are tens, 20, 30, 40,000 people that don't have the experience and never experienced, some of them, a church potluck who've never experienced a flag football, who've never experienced the kind of fellowship that the Bible defines as a deep river of friendship with a common direction and common purpose for God. What, a, what a, an amazing mission that this church has always had and the way this church has discovered how to live that mission out by reaching out to other people. Now, when we started to build this facility, to build the building for Highland Church, we decided to have it on this location because it's across the street from what? Walmart. Amen. Thank you. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and do you know how many people are at Walmart right now? A lot more people than are in here right now. A lot. Every seat would be filled and then some if all the people from Walmart came over right now. It is uh, insane. And so the, the value of this church has always been to welcome people into the community and welcome them into the life of this church um, and, to, and to do that uh, by meeting people where they're at. So we had this Vision 2020 conversation this last year and the, and the session and the elders distilled all the visions that you guys contributed. And the first thing that they wanted on the list of priorities for this church in the year 2020 was that we would continue and to and expand as a church at meeting people where they are at. And so we have, for example, Katie Griffin and Kevin Cobb both have a ministry called Girl Talk and Guy Talk. Katie Griffin had a way head start on this. So her Girl Talk now has, at the high school, at the high school, it's a club and it's called Girl Talk. And she has 40 girls that come to this club right now because we are meeting people where they are at because that's a huge core value for us. Now, this Friendsgiving thing seems like something that we might have come up with as a church. And by the way, the idea, the cool idea is that it ends on November 12th. We are going to have a big Friendsgiving potluck here. And, this, and, and it, this, it, that potluck on Tuesday is going to pale in comparison to the one where everybody in here is going to bring their neighbors, they're going to bring their friends, they're going to bring everything, and they're going to bring lots of Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? So, so people think that we made up 
we made up this concept of Friendsgiving, but actually it's been a core value of the church from the beginning. Breaking bread with each other, spending time with each other. And I'll read some verses, for example, from the earliest snapshot of the Christian church from Acts 2:46, we have these words. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Acts 20, at the end of the book of Acts, this is what it says. On the first day of the week, when we met to break bread, Paul was holding a discussion with them Since he intended to leave the next day, he continued speaking until midnight. Okay, Paul, (laughs) don't ever give me a hard time about a long sermon again, okay? That guy talked until midnight. (laughs) This was a radical, this was a radical movement at the time. And they were discovering that, that, that to live out Jesus's commands to have open dinner tables where everybody was invited, not people of a certain background, not people from a certain town, but everybody could meet at the table and share those relationships and those stories with one another became the foundational, um, foundational brick in this thing called the Christian church today. It transformed the world. It's the reason why, um, and, and this meet people where they're at ethic that Jesus has instilled in the church is also the reason why at Halloween, when we as a church, we said, how are we going to celebrate Halloween? And we heard of other churches that do a great job and they have something called uh, a trunk or treat. Have you heard of those? And they're awesome. My last church did it. It was great. But what we realized is that trunk or treat would pull all of our members out of their homes on the one day when their neighbors were going to come and knock on their doors. And so we said, no, this has to be the kind of church where we are going to meet people where they're at. And so we do, we have a little booth downtown where we take all the candy that you're contributing and we hand it out there because we know that there's tens of thousands of kids downtown and we're going to meet people where they're at. And what do we do? We attach little movie tickets to all of the candy. Uh, For next Sunday, we're going to have a movie Sunday. If you can't get your neighborhood kids to come to church on movie Sunday, just forget it, but at least try And so we're not just handing out the tickets there, but we're giving you the tickets today to take home and to hand out with your candy all over town. Are you starting to catch the vision? It's awesome. Now, yesterday, as I was preparing for this message, um, I noticed that the Dodgers game was on. Did anybody else notice that? I know half the room is like, why didn't he call it the Astros game? Because it's the Dodgers game. I'm sorry. Just, uh, just, I mean, I've heard someone say, but I'm a Giants fan. And I'm like, but you live in California. Come on, people. Dodgers, Brooklyn Dodgers. I love the Giants too. But this is a Dodger. Dodge, Giants aren't in the World Series. So you got to choose who you're rooting for. So it's all about the Jets. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Louie. I, can I have a hug? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's a Dodgers fan. I, I love you too. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. The Giants already won their World Series. It's our turn. Okay. So anyway, so I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to watch the Dodgers? I try to go on the little website. It's in the eighth inning. It's basically tied. And um, I, I try to go on that website, and they're like, no, you need some weird, who, what cable service provider? What's your password? I'm like, who knows that? So, so then I think, oh, shoot, I got to find a TV, and I gotta, I'm kind of hungry. I need some dinner, and I'm going to find some food. And so I thought, where is the place that has the most TVs in the closest proximity to the church? Any guess? 
Yes, Walmart. They have that whole wall of TVs. I thought, dude, because don't you know when you go to, you know what I'm talking about? You go and you see all these guys that are like, honey, I'm going shopping. And they're just like standing there watching football. You know, like, like does your wife know you're not shopping? Anyway, so, um, and they're like, I'm newlywed. No, anyway, just kidding. <laughs> so, so I go there and sure enough, no, they don't have any sports on those TVs. And I'm thinking they don't understand community anymore. And so I looked around Walmart and I saw all these people that I've never seen before, but they live in our town. And I thought, oh my goodness, these are the people. And I started walking around and I was, I was like smiling at people. <laughs> the workers are like, is he okay? And like, um, and so, so I, on my way out, I'm like, all right, it's okay. I'm not meant to watch the Dodgers game. And as I leave, did you know there's a Burger King inside of Walmart? That is crazy to me. I didn't know that. So this is the picture of me. And in the background, you can see the Dodgers game, and you can see the 30 people I watched the Dodgers game with. Is that awesome? There was literally a party inside of Walmart at the Burger King. It was so cool. I was high-fiving dudes in Walmart. I'm telling you, next, next World Series game, that's where I'm going to be. And you know what? There's milkshakes, there's fries, and one guy's like, there's beer on aisle four. And I'm like, slow down, buddy. Because I was slow down. I was like... Like, slow down, slow down. We don't want to get kicked out, but I say we, I say we bring the party to Walmart. This is, this is awesome. Anyway, is it like an ad a week? Last week it's KFC, this week it's out Walmart. I'm sorry. <laughs> Commercials, exactly. Ooh. So, so this, is, this, is, this is what Jesus says after this dinner party that Jesus attends, and he starts to have this conversation with people about not, not creating inside-outside dinner parties, and he starts to tell about how important it is to invite everybody in and make sure that everybody is invited to the party and go out into the streets and be maniacal and crazy about inviting people in. Then Jesus is criticized. It says this. It says, now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. Boy, that sounds like a party, right? Anyway, <laughs> and, and then the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. No, he doesn't eat with them, does he? You can, like, we've come a long way, okay? Then it says, so he told them this parable. Which one of you having a hundred sheep and losing one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and he rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls his friends together and neighbors and he says to them, hey guys, we're gonna have a barbecue. I found this sheep. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's not what he says. <laughs> no, that's, not, that's not how it goes. I'm just kidding. He doesn't say that. He says to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. (laughs) Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 persons who need no repentance. Now this day is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, 500 years to the date that a man named Martin Luther in the year 1517, yes, I can do math, he was, he was a teacher and a preacher, and he started to teach and preach from the, gospel, from the book of Ephesians. And he was teaching to a class, and he, in it, he discovered God's grace. And for his whole life, he was a teacher, he was a preacher. For his whole life, he thought he needed to earn his way into salvation, like he could do one thing and then be better or worse with God. And then he realized, no, God just loves me. He just continually loves me. He's always searching after me. There's nothing I need to do in order to receive God's love in my life. And it was, an, it, was, it, was, it was a mind-blowing experience. And then he realized 
that there's a whole country of people. He lived in Germany, a whole country of people that didn't know this. Tens of millions of people. And then he realized that a big reason they didn't know it is because the Bible was being read in Latin. Hello, Germans don't speak Latin. Last I checked. And then they were preaching about it in Latin. And so they didn't understand anything. And so he said, he he wrote up this. He says, we need to be the church that is welcoming everybody, that is going out and seeking everybody. And so we're going to have to translate the Bible into the language of the people. And we're going to have to be about grace and not about works. And so then he got arrested. No, he got arrested. He didn't get arrested. He, he was summoned to a tribunal, kind of. <laughs> Not a bad thing. So <laughs> he shows up at the tribunal, this council, and they talk to him and they say, buddy, you really can't be changing the church like this. You can't be turning it into this kind of thing. It's clean right now. It's not messy. And he said, they said, what do you say in your defense? And he said these words, here I can stand, I can do no other. And his friends were like, oh my gosh, he's going to get killed. And they let him go, and they said, we're going to think about this. And so he went away. And then they said, we've made our decision. Come back again. And so he starts traveling back to him. And his friends are like, that guy is completely crazy. He's going to get killed. They've decided, and they had. They had decided they were going to kill him. And so his friends do what friends should do. They kidnapped him. They kidnapped him. His friends kidnapped him and, and held him hostage inside of a castle. Now, if you're ever going to kidnap me and hold me hostage in Hearst Castle, that works. I'm happy you put that. So they held him cast hostage in Hearst, it's not in Hearst Castle, in the castle in Germany. And, uh, and in that time of over three years, he translated the Bible, and it's one of the best translations to this day of the Bible into German. And then people started to have the Bible in their own language. And then this movement continued where people were welcoming more and more people in. And now we're, we're preaching from a Bible written in English and we can understand it and we are welcoming people to the table. And we're doing it because of God's grace. Because of God's grace and love. So now I want to ask you if you would be willing to do what Martin Luther did. To stand to stand on the truth that you know of God's goodness and God's love. And this is a truth. When you stand, you're not just standing to say that it's for you, but it would be to stand and say that this is a truth for others. Um, And when you do it, and before you do it, I want you to look at the empty seats next to you because that's what Martin Luther was doing. Because each empty seat next to you represents a person who's hanging out at Walmart right now, walking the aisles, looking for something, and they don't know what. And Jesus says, we have to go and find the lost sheep. We have to put them on our shoulders and we have to bring them back because that's what Friendsgiving is about. And so, um, so please, if you'd like, please uh, stand on the shoulders of Martin Luther. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that we get to stand on the shoulders of Martin Luther. We get to stand on the shoulders of so many great people who've come before us, who have, who, have, who have been brave enough to say that what this is about is meeting, meeting people where they're at. It's about going and seeking them out. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one who prepares the parties. 
then in fact, we are the ones that need to receive the invitation that we need to hear your voice saying, come, be a part of this festival at Burger King, at Walmart, or wherever it is, at downtown. And so God, I pray that we would, we would not be the people who would withhold our love from these people, but we would open our doors and receive them and proclaim your goodness and your truth and reflect your love and your embrace. We would chase down every single person in your name. Amen.